Hey, welcome to Next. If we haven't yet met, my name is Jacob Rasmussen. Um, I would absolutely love the opportunity to meet you. Hey, raise your hand if you've already been on spring break. I know a few of you have. Okay, is like everyone next week, basically? Later? Earlier? Come on now. When is spring break? Does it still exist? Last week and next week? Okay, cool. That's what I thought. Two weeks. I feel like mine was kind of early, but... Hey, last week I was on a spring break trip. Last week I was on a spring break trip with my family to an island in Florida called Anna Maria Island. And, man, I loved being on the beach and being in the sun, and we had a great pool. And it was, it was a great, it was spectacular. The island's great. But I realized something at the end of my trip that was kind of upsetting. You see, before I left for this trip, people in my life were like, man, it's going to be so great for you to get a break, you know, get away and relax and, and hopefully get some actual genuine rest. And so I went into that week expecting, man, this is going to be great. Like, I finally get to just kind of let go of some of the things that, you know, life's been busy. There's, there's some things that have been really heavy on me lately. And so I get to let go. I get to take a break. I get to rest. And at the end of the trip, I realized that I didn't actually rest at all. What do I mean by that? Yes, I slept in. Yes, I took naps on the beach. Yes, I spent time with my family. Yes, I didn't have to do schoolwork or, or, or work work. But friends, rest is so much more than simply physical rest and relaxation and removing ourselves from the world around us. Rest is a spiritual issue. And tonight, we're going to be talking about rest as we finish this training grounds series. And truthfully, this is not the message that I wanted to preach tonight. Over the last couple of days, I was going through some of my back pocket sermons that I love to teach. I was racking my brain thinking of any other topic that I could teach on tonight other than rest. But I couldn't do it because I need this message tonight. And as someone who pastors you, I am committed to to always being real with you guys and bringing you guys into my relationship with Jesus. I don't think there's any other more effective way to disciple than to just bring people into your relationship with Jesus and do what God would have for you. And so I'll be the first to admit that following Jesus isn't always easy and that often I'm not very good at it. Regardless of my position or the fact that I'm on a stage with a mic. And right now my struggle is rest. And I think that many of you in this room, even if you don't see it yet, rest is the, is the struggle that you're having as well. Like, like maybe the diagnosis that you need tonight is to hear that you are not resting. Maybe you're here and you feel like you don't need to hear another sermon. Because every single week that you come here, you feel more discouraged when you leave. Because the truth that you hear and the good news that you hear doesn't actually line up with the life that you're living. Maybe you're in a spiritually dry season where you feel really disconnected with your faith and the doubts are springing up. Maybe you have such a full schedule and a full mind that every little thing seems to weigh heavier than it should. Maybe you're brokenhearted. Or maybe you're on the complete opposite side. Maybe everything is like going fine and you're like, man, I'm I'm just ready to get the spring break. I don't really feel like I need Jesus and see Jesus. Not being or not feeling needy can be just as prideful and incredibly dangerous 
as the other things I mentioned. And so wherever you're at, the way you're struggling, I believe, is deeply impacted by how you view rest. Like the missing link between a life of knowing the truth and actually seeing it impact your life and transform your life comes down to whether or not you are truly resting. And so tonight I want to make the the point or the argument that rest is a pride issue. That rest is a pride issue. That the way that we view rest tells us a lot about how we view God. And, And if you're feeling overly burdened and restless and it feels like life is too hectic, then chances are you need a fresh perspective on rest. How often when people ask us how, we, how we're doing, we say, man, I'm good, I'm just really tired. I'm really stressed out. Like Life's a little bit overwhelming, but I'll make it. What that shows me is that we have a problem. You see, stress was not part of the vocabulary to define our emotions or our well-being about 100 years ago. Prior to that, stress was simply a word used to describe Metal structures that were bending and breaking under pressure. You couldn't put the two together. And so just that alone shows me something is wrong. And we are marked by restlessness as a people. And I know tonight that I am in need of a fresh perspective. I find myself restless in the seasons where I'm most prideful. And how that has shown up for me is neglecting to release the things that are weighing on me. I'm not talking about like the, hey, look at me, I'm so much better than you, I know more than you type of pride. Like that's a real type of pride. But, but what I'm talking about is the pride in me that leads me to try to become what God is supposed to be in my life. The one who's in control. The one who sees the end from the beginning. The one who works everything out for the good of those who love him. The one who can do far more than I could ask or think or imagine. And see, when I try to become God in those places, and when I try to replace Jesus with Jacob, that is when I become tired and weary and burdened and overwhelmed and brokenhearted. And so, friend, tonight I want to do something different than normal. Because you see, I believe, and we here at Next believe, and here at Grace Church believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And we believe that the Bible, that the Word of God is beautiful, that it is sufficient and enough for us, and that it is true. And it is always those things, even when I can't see what God is doing in the rest of my life. When I can't see the ways that God is working Even in the seasons where I wish with everything in me that I could be in control, I believe with everything in me that God's word is the final word. And so because of that, I just want to walk through a text with you tonight that I cannot get out of my mind. This text has been one that I have wrestled with for a couple years now particularly, and this passage is like one of the most important passages in the Bible about rest. I mean, they're all equally important, but man, this one, this one's one's tough. And so my hope is that this wouldn't be a long sermon, that this wouldn't be like a bunch of stories and analogies and all of that, but that you all would just walk through this passage with me just like we're having a cup of coffee. That I feel like I need this more than anyone in the room tonight. 
And so I just want to welcome you guys in as I, as I work through these, these words. And I, I see what the Lord's revealing to me about rest and about pride. And friends, I just want to fall deeper in love with Jesus alongside all of you tonight. I want to leave here tonight deeper in love with Jesus because we walked through this together. And ultimately, I pray that this, would, that this would be received by each of you as an invitation. As an invitation from Jesus for you who are tired, you who are burnt out, you who are brokenhearted, overwhelmed, anxious. That this would be an invitation for you who are needy right now. Because that is exactly what we get in Matthew 11. So go ahead, open up to Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I uh, read this at the end of our last panel a couple weeks ago, so maybe it's familiar. Um, yeah, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Go ahead and open there, walk, uh, walk along on the screen. It says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a good passage. See, the first thing that I saw when I read this passage is that Jesus' arms are open before our hands are. Jesus' arms are open before my hands are. What do I mean by that? Maybe I'm a little bit extra, but do you guys know like when your mom shows up at home with a full car of groceries, and she says, all right, go get the groceries, and you're like, I'm 100% getting all of those in one trip. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I think I got a slide on here. Like, yes, I'm, I'm risking circulation or losing circulation to get all of these groceries in one trip. Like, that's me. You know, there's nothing more, like, you, you don't feel more successful or more manly than when you absolutely cover your whole arm in grocery bags, slowly walk them into the house, and then just dump them all. Like, it's a great feeling. But what does that have to do with my point? If you're anything like me, then you feel the temptation to believe that my life is successful if and when I take on all of the weight and the burdens of my actions and my goals and my struggles and walk myself across every conceivable finish line, every conceivable victory. What we do is we start to carry way too many things. Our hands become full, full of commitments School, relationships, sports, desires, expectations, sin, maybe church activities. And to make sure we don't drop anything, to make sure we keep all of that in front of us, we grab on really, really tightly. So tightly that, that our hands are no longer open. And if one of those things gets taken away from us, or we drop the ball trying to balance all of it, we feel like we've failed. We feel like we've lost hope. But here is the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. It says, come to me. See, Jesus' arms are open before your hands are. See, I sense the Lord telling me in this passage that too often I resist coming to him and accepting his invitation because I try to hold on to everything too tightly. Meanwhile, he's standing there with open arms ready to embrace me. And his, his invitation to come is not determined or dependent on whether or not we leave our burdens behind us. 
It says, come to me, you who are burdened. And so in some sense, the burdens that are popping into your mind right now are the very thing that qualify you to come to Jesus and to fall into his arms. We have to remember that Jesus isn't standing over us with crossed arms or a pointed finger waiting for us and accusing us until we leave our baggage neatly behind us. But rather, his arms are open. And whatever we carry to him, he welcomes. His arms are open to us before our hands are open to let go of whatever it is that we think will keep us from him. Which is ultimately the next thing I see in this. It says, um, it says, take up my yoke and learn from me. It's hard to follow Jesus when we hold on to other things too tightly. It's hard to follow Jesus when we hold on to other things too tightly. The image that I used was about carrying grocery bags, but, it, but Jesus uses a different image in this passage. He talks about a yoke. And if you don't know what a yoke is, it's essentially this big, heavy, wooden bar or beam that connects two oxen together to pull a load. I think I got a picture for that as well. And in our passage tonight, Jesus, he goes on to say, take up my yoke and learn from me. And see, in that time, not only was this an image of what you see right there, but also a yoke was a Hebrew idiom for a set of teachings. And so when Jesus is saying, take up my yoke and follow me, he's saying, adopt my teachings. Learn them. Let them set the direction for your life. And what happens in our lives when we get prideful and when we resist to come to Jesus and when we fail to rest, we get into this space where we're like strapped into our own yoke over here while also trying to live and proclaim that we live under the easy yoke of Jesus. And friends, not only is our yoke super, super heavy, but, but our yoke moves at a different pace than Jesus. And our yoke moves in a different direction than Jesus. You can tell by that picture, like, if you're in a yoke, you're going wherever this other person's going. And when you're in your own yoke, you don't know where you're going. And so Jesus invites you to step into his if you want to follow Jesus while still trying to hold on to your ways, your understandings, your direction for your life, you're going to get pulled in two completely different directions at different speeds, and it's going to exhaust you. The Lord, the Lord was showing me as I, as I read this that it's really hard to follow me when you hold too tightly to the things of this world. Even when they're really, really good things. Even when they're really, really honoring to me. It's really hard for you to follow me when you hold too tightly to those things. Loosen your grip on them and trust me, he was saying. Let go of your heavy, fast-moving, directionless expectations. I know the way that you should go. And so there's things in my life that are really good things. But when I hold on too tightly to good things, they become bad things. Because when you, when you hold on too tightly to good things, they become your ultimate thing. And good things that are become ultimate things are actually just bad things. And for you, students, I want all of you to think about the things of this world that you're holding on to too tightly. 
because you can't experience rest and try to make your life look like the rest of the world. Like, it's incredibly exhausting to live like everyone else around you with the same schedules and the same priorities and then squeeze in a relationship with Jesus wherever you can. That's when following Jesus becomes a chore. That's when reading your Bible and going to church and being a community become a burden rather than a delight. So don't just try to squeeze in discipleship to Jesus. That's not rest. That's not the easy yoke. That is anti-restful. Because see, rest requires us to reorder our lives around Jesus and not ourselves. Rest requires humility. Rest is humility because it's saying, I don't have to control everything, do everything, solve everything, and I don't have to hold on to anything other than my Father's hand. And so if you're going to hold tightly to anything, let it be that. Thirdly, I see, uh, man, just let rest be a reminder of who your father is. Does anyone know who the first person to ever rest was? It was God. Genesis, it lays out how God created the world. It says he created six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He sat down on his throne, and that rest that God achieved is still a reality today. God is still on the throne. He's still over his creation. And not only is God at rest, but he offers us this same rest. In fact, that isn't just like some unmoving rest like we talked about. This isn't just relaxation. Let me get away from everything for a minute. This rest is not unmoving. This rest is about our relationship to God. Because in our relationship to God, we have work to do. There's things that we're called to do. And there's things that God is doing. He's at work, but he's at rest. And because God rested, we know that we were created to reflect him in that way. And rest from our work to acknowledge him. Not only our physical work, but our spiritual work. See, the next part of that passage, it says, I am lowly and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. You see, rest is not just a physical issue. It's a spiritual issue. I would actually argue it's more of a spiritual issue. Because rest apart from Jesus is no rest at all. That's restlessness. You see, this verse, this verse gentle and lowly, or lowly and humble, whatever your translation says, is incredibly important because it is a direct explanation from Jesus about his own heart. In other words, this describes to us the heart of God and what he deeply desires. So if you're in a season where you're like, man, I just don't feel like I know who God is. I feel like he's distant. I don't understand what his heart is. I don't even know who he is. Look at this passage. Look at Jesus because he's saying, this is my heart. This is what I most deeply desire. This is my gut reaction. And what it is, is he, he desires to grant the weary and the heavy burdened to enter his rest. He gets glory when we bring our messy and hectic lives to him. He gets glory when he, when he takes those lives and he makes them beautiful. And he gets glory when we actually rest in what he's done. Not only does Jesus want us to rest from all the things burdening us in this life, but he also wants us to rest from trying to work our way into a right relationship with him. This is the gospel that 
before the cross, humanity had to restlessly pursue holiness and forgiveness through works and sacrifices. But 2,000 years ago, the cross achieved a once and for all sacrifice of God's son that put an end to those works that were not sufficient and allowed us to be made completely right with God by faith alone. So friends, when you rest, when you decide to just slow down for an hour, when you decide to slow down for a day, or just get some time to abandon all your thoughts and concerns for a brief moment to focus on God, let it be a reminder that he's already done all the work, that there is nothing more to do but rest in his presence. I know I need, I need to hear that one tonight. Let rest be a reminder of who your father is. And lastly, I saw in this passage that Jesus' burdens are so much different than our own. Jesus' burdens are different than our burdens. The last verse says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now there are two big things that I struggle with as I read this passage. Number one is that nothing about following Jesus in my life has felt easy. It's not in our nature. And I read this and I think, okay, what does it even mean to live in the easy yoke? It seems like some secret knowledge that I haven't yet attained. And then number two is that when I read this, I see that Jesus is offering us a light burden, but it's still a burden. And so my reaction is, why on earth would I want some other burden? Like, I'm already weighed down. I don't care how light it is. I don't want more. But the truth, the truth is that Jesus' burden is so much different than our own because when we take on Jesus' yoke and his burden, he's already there in it with us. See, we're yoked together with Jesus, and he does all the heavy lifting. He commits to us in such an intimate way that his death becomes ours, his resurrection becomes ours, and everything about our life now becomes completely dependent on him. And so we don't, we don't just stop moving. We don't just stop moving in Jesus' yoke, but we move in confidence that we will not be crushed by the weight of it. And, and that is why you who are upset and confused, why you haven't been seeing transformation in your life? No matter how many times you hear the same message, can trust that Jesus is doing the work in the heavy lifting. That, that you've got to stop clinging to your selfish burdens and step into his yoke. I've got to stop clinging to my selfish burdens and the things that I hold on to tightly and step into his yoke. The things that he says are true that's his burden. And it's a lot lighter than my burden. I love this passage. I would encourage you guys, whether you're going on spring break next week or two weeks or, or not, keep reading this passage. Just keep reading it. What is God saying to you? I love this passage. But at the same time, it's really, really hard to grasp. I'm hopeful 
that you guys will go into small groups tonight and have really great conversations. I, I sent your leaders some really, um, hopefully, insightful questions for you guys to talk through, and I hope, I hope that's a great conversation. But before we get there, I want to close out with a few more thoughts. Maybe the most important thing that you can hear tonight is this. This isn't from Matthew 11, but this is just God's word. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 1 Peter 5, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I've said it a few times, but rest is a pride issue. Our inability to rest and find peace in God is rooted in our own pride and selfishness before a God who just wants us to humble ourselves. And see, the reason a prideful life is so tiring is because God God opposes the proud. God hates pride. He hates it more than anything. And because of that, pride is your greatest enemy. Pride will do violence to your soul. Pride is the thing that will keep you up all night trying to figure out your life and why certain things happened and what to do next. It does that to me. You see, pride is the thing that will keep you from going to Jesus even before you've loosened your hands from all your other burdens. And ultimately, pride will destroy you. But rest, rest will renew you. Rest will humble you. I want to leave you just quickly with seven ways that you can kill pride and cultivate humility. And then we're going to worship one more song. Seven ways you can kill pride and cultivate humility and rest in your life. I didn't come up with this list, um, but I know that this will be incredibly helpful for us. And the first way is just to kill, or sorry, the first way to kill pride is to look at the cross often. You can't look at the cross and be prideful. You can't look at the suffering son of God on the cross paying for everything that you owed by dying the most brutal death and be prideful. Number two, number two way to kill pride is slow down. Our world is constantly moving 100 miles an hour. We have so many devices and things in our life that are supposed to make life easier and faster and give us more leisure time, but yet we never feel like we have any time. So slow down. Step into the longest line at the grocery store. Drive the actual speed limit. Delete social media. Do things that will actually like slow down your life so that you realize, man, you're not God. Number three. I love this one. Uh, Go to sleep. Number three. Number way to, or third way to kill pride is go to sleep. Now, now, this is not about, like I said, physical rest per se, but there's something that we do when we go to sleep that God does not ever have to do. And so I would challenge you tonight, if you want to be humbled, if you want to kill pride tonight, when you go lay down on your pillow, pray something like this. God, I am making a universal confession to you right now as one of your creatures that I am not God and I never will be. I need sleep, which is something you never need. So would you give it to me? You guys know that before the light bulb was invented, the average American slept 11 hours a night. We were created to do the most vulnerable thing that we can for half of our life, and we drool while we do it. Be humbled. Kill pride. Go to sleep. 
Number four, and I'll rush through these last couple. Study God's grace in others' lives. Don't get consumed with your own life. I know I struggle with that. But open your eyes to the people around you and how God is working in their life and be happy for them and praise God because of it. Number five, allow yourself to feel small. Get somewhere in nature that allows you to feel small. If you can go to an ocean, go to an ocean. If you can go to a mountain, go to a mountain. And look at the height and the depth in front of you and realize that the God that created that and the God that created the universe wants to know you and love you more than you will ever love him and be humbled. And allow yourself to feel small. Number six, confess sin and release burdens. Confess your pride to each other. Tell each other, man, I am being so prideful in this way, in this way, in this way. And it's not always just about, hey, I'm on the stage and and look at me. It's, man, I'm trying to control my life and I'm trying to accomplish all the things that God wants to accomplish. And release your burdens. I suck at this. But like, let go. Like, open your hand, loosen it. Hold everything loosely. Number seven. Suffer. If you want to kill pride, suffer. All you have to do is live long enough. You'll suffer. See, suffering reminds us that the only place where true rest is found is in the open arms of Jesus Christ. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And this is the invitation for you guys tonight, to come to Jesus and find rest. I know this wasn't the most practical message of all time, but man, take one of those seven. Kill pride, and that will lead you to rest. I believe they're inseparable. I know that I need to accept the invitation of Jesus to come to him time and time again. And my hope is that you would accept it with me and continue to fall deeper in love with Jesus. Because even though that's, like this life's not easy, even though I suck at following Jesus sometimes, I know for a fact that every single time I can look back and say, God worked everything for the good of those who love him and that this is the abundant life. Let's pray.